We're normally playing this song around Father's Day of every year, but it's equally an important time just to take cognizance of the fact that whilst many people are enjoying their festivities, many people in the opposite direction are having a very difficult time because what is known as family time, especially December 26th, which is specifically designated and a day dedicated to and for families, many people suffer in silence they suffer in their solitude for this time of the year for them is an incredibly difficult time for the best part of time they occupy themselves with work and everything else that can keep somebody busy it's when the office shuts down when people leave their towns and go home that they now realize they are alone in this world many will not get hospital visits many will not get prison visits Many will go to work and be alone, and for them it's better than being at home, for at home is to invite a sense of pain, of loneliness. Good evening, my name is Songa Zomabedze, and you are listening to us this evening on The Viewpoint. Specifically on all of this, we're talking about fathers' rights and access to children. For the better, for worse, many children who are in single-parent households, those households are largely mothers or women-led households as opposed to father or daddy-led households. The question that we are then engaging is, and we would love your responses to the many myriad of issues that can stem from this, what do we do as a society to correct an obvious social abnormality, the fact that something like father's rights to access to children is still something that in this country many struggle with. Mr. Tsepo Musinyal, who's the chairperson of We Are Fathers, We Are Parents Forum, is on the line just to give us a snippet. Parental alienation is set to is a set of processes and behaviors conducted and enacted by a parent to deliberately and knowingly damage or severe the relationship between a child and another parent. Of course, the slant here is father's access to children, but there's nothing wrong if we can have a conversation in the opposite direction of mothers crying foul about what their fathers of their children are doing. Tsepo, good evening. Thank you for joining us. Good evening, Songa. So, uh, just a correction. It's Castro Musinari. Tsepo is a colleague here. Otsepo is a colleague. It's Castro. Yes. Castro, yes. Oh, thank you so much. Castro, I beg your pardon for that. Thank you very much for this opportunity. And uh, it's uh, such a, an emotional day, an emotional song that you played. Uh, you know, it caught me off. It's my birthday today. I cannot have my child with me. I couldn't spend time with my child today because of this problem uh, of access to to our children. Uh, I, I am a member of the organization. We are fathers, we are parents, and also currently still affected by this problem since the birth of my daughter four years ago. How old are you today, Brother Castro? Are they girls? How, how, how old are you today, please? I'm only 45. <laughs> only 45. No, I appreciate that. Um, <laughs> We're we, we, we trying to get through to the bottom of these issues that you are now, if you like, a victim of, if I can call that, and please excuse the word if it's inappropriate. But this is probably as good a time then to highlight the plight of the many challenges that not having access to children presents. For instance, on a day like this, I'm sure the greatest present for you would have been to spend with your four-year-old daughter. And unfortunately, you don't get to have that privilege, that gift, that right. And many are in a similar position to you, and I can't imagine what would be worse than being denied access to your child. How did we get to where you are? 
So my, my daughter was born in 2016, uh, 01, the 1st of May. Uh, her mother... Uh, unfortunately passed on uh, a year and a half later um but the moment my daughter was born i started to experience problems i was not married so in the in the in the south african law the children's act i'm defined as an unmarried father so i started to have this problem whereby i realized i cannot access my child so i started going to the children's court to seek a relief to say there are people not the mother of my child who are preventing me from accessing my child i couldn't get help and uh, in the process the mother of my child passed on i had to go to the high court actually i was misled i can say today that i was misled to the high court to apply for primary residence of my child and that is where i met i i met uh, you know the worst experience uh, that i ever imagined in the in the legal system uh, because Legally, I am the last surviving parent, and uh, my daughter has to be in my care. But uh, through whatever means that are being done, my daughter is being outsourced to the maternal grandparents. That is where we are. And those are people who proved, even when the mother was still alive, that they don't want me next to my child. Uh, and they were, you know, the mother was intimidated into, you know, obeying or obliging with, uh, you know, the orders not to allow me in a way. So the child, I had to make a plan. We had to make a plan, both of us, so that I can see the child. I want to play devil's advocate with a couple of my questions, and please allow me to be somewhat intrusive so that we can tease some of the complexities that could be inherent in this account. And just for the record, so that those who might be listening might be interested, we did in fact reach out to the Department of Justice, specifically the Family Advocate Section of the office. They had confirmed until this afternoon that somebody would participate in this conversation. It's not the first time, of course, we are having a conversation of this kind. And then, as would happen from time to time, somebody pulled out and suddenly nobody in the department is available. And all we really needed was their phone to be charged because whoever is going to speak or was going to speak all we needed from that person was their phone to be on charge we would call them we would have a conversation about their work unfortunately we can only have mr castro musinialia who is denied his rights to his daughter who is now four years old he's of course the chairperson of we are fathers we are the parents it's a forum advocating for father's access to children and the opposite is equally true because children should be given access to their rightful parents is this and this is a question to you Castro do you get a sense any of what is happening is predicated on culture you mentioned the fact that you are an unmarried father to the mother and that just gave me something to think about in relation to what culture may in this context dictate have you anything to say on that regard there's many uh, factors. The biggest problem is that uh, the Children's Act, uh, as it is today, it leaves room for exploitation. So, you know, even via culture, you can exploit it uh, and manipulate it. Uh, you know, also, there's also an issue of incompetence. And there's also an issue of just bias or, you know, people who have got their own uh, preferable views around where the child must be raised under different circumstances, whether it's a divorce, separation, or after the death of the mother. So, yes, culture also plays a role, but the law as well, it does specify what must be met. There is a criteria that uh, in case of an unmarried father, there are requirements 
that must be met. They should, for an example, have shown uh, commitment in good faith before, uh, you know, anything like separation or the death of the mother happens to show that I am responsible for the child. That would be enough to qualify me to be the father because that is what Section 21 of the, uh, the Children's Act of 38 of 2005 says, that uh, uh, a, a biological father doesn't automatically acquire parental rights and, uh, and responsibility but has to be qualified through set criteria, uh, including showing that this person has been there for the child, maintaining the child, or I have paid damages, and, and so forth and so forth. So culture plays a role as well. But even then, I mean, just as I'm listening to you explain it that way, and I'm not necessarily taking a particular position, but I'm just saying on the account where it assumes, as you've just quoted that particular section of the statute, it assumes that a father is not an unmarried father to the mother anyway, is not in a position to, lock up, to look after the child on his own unless and until he can satisfy whoever the decision maker is in that instance that he is in a position to do all of that. Is a similar inquiry made of and about the mother insofar as it relates to single parents wanting custody of a child irrespective of the circumstance? I, I have not seen anything about unmarried mother. The act only speaks about unmarried fathers, and uh, it is it is undermining the constitution, which uh, section nine of the constitution will will, will say mm. all are equal before the law. So the the mother automatically uh, acquires the rights and responsibilities. That is why even when the the child is born in the hospitals, without permission of the father, the mother will have to will register the name of the child. Uh, some of us. Had not seen. I only saw the birth certificate of my my child in September, four years later, more than four years later, because uh, you know what has been registered there in that in that certificate. And I believe I speak, thinking that I'm also representing the experiencing experiences of many other fathers. So I'll give many examples with my situation that you know uh, you find that you've never seen the color of the certificate, birth certificate of uh, uh, of your child. You don't. You are not sure which names have been put there. You might, I might have agreed with the mother of my child that no, my child would be called so and so. But because of cultural uh, prejudice, the, the family of the mother may insist to the mother that the child will be registered under these names. I'm asking this question because you've cited a relevant section of the Constitution, Section 9, but... Section 28.2 of that same constitution is probably more instructive in that the best interests of the child should at all times be foremost when making decisions concerning the child. And if you want, you can take it further to the Children's Act that speaks to whenever a provision of this act requires the best interests of the child standard to be applied, the following factors must be taken into consideration where relevant, namely the likely effect on the child of any change in the child's circumstance, including the likely effect on the child of any separation from both or either of the parents. You fall squarely within the remit of both the Constitution, I would argue, and that of the Children's Act, which gives expression to that constitutional provision. Where do you think your case for custody of your child then would be failing? What are the reasons that are advanced for your continued being denied access to your child? Uh, there, were, there were no legal reasons, except one main reason was that uh, I do not have a bond with the child. Because what happened 
uh, there was a bit of a delay uh, of about six months uh, between the, the passing of the mother of my child and the interview of the family advocate. So during that period, I realized that these people are really adamant to prevent me from uh, seeing my child. So I was advised to withdraw. So in that process, I think I only saw my daughter twice or on the street somewhere. So my daughter, obviously as a child, uh, started to, to not get used to me. So that was used to say uh, I don't have a bond with my child. But it was not something that was assessed. It was just speculated. There was no assessment that was done in that regard. So I see it as that the, 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 the grandparents were rewarded for al- trying to alienate me. And the judgment that was given was actually even wrong because by the time it was given, there was already an interim order that was remedying that situation, which was about a year, a, a year old. So when, when we seek to, to appeal that, uh, that judgment, the judge who gave that judgment said she was not aware that there was a, 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 an interim order. So meaning, factually, she was wrong. So since last year, that, that matter, uh, you know, was mm. urgent and the, and the interim order was, was not found because there was a, a directive that that original order should be found, but it was searched for, it was not found. But as I speak, I don't want to get deep into my for matter. Sure. For there sure. is some interventions that are, that are that are being done. I'm happy with what I've seen so far, uh, but uh, the judiciary is one of the institutions that are failing the best interest of the child, that are undermining the the rights of fathers. Uh, just like even uh, the the magistrate, that the, the children's court, there is family advocates as well. In my case as well. I think the contributing factor was the report of the family advocate which highlighted uh, incorrect information. Mainly how they achieve it is that they mute you and they, 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 they opt to give the other side more voice so that whatever the achievement, because it's like there is some matching orders that fathers shall, must not be given their children. Have you made contact with the Child Law Center? It's an institution that is attached to the University of Pretoria. I know at one stage, I don't know if she might still be there, Professor Anne Skelton, who's also an advocate, who's foremost in the advocating of children's rights. In fact, she's got a position now at the United Nations in a similar role of making sure that the rights as they pertain to the child are there. I'm I'm just wondering now in terms of, of course, this is more than anything else, exacting emotionally as it would financially and time. But the use of these institutions or these bodies that are designed to exactly deal with these kinds of issues, have you made, if not at the Child Law Center, other interventions or access other spaces for assistance? I have tried. You are right in in talking about how stressful this is. Uh, One feels like uh, it's confined in a solitary cell. Mm. And uh, it's a very lonely journey where I, I think because other people who are not affected don't really understand they, you, you see them as not caring, but maybe they care. So I have contacted them as well. I don't remember, maybe a year or two ago, mm. they, they sent me to, to court. I have tried to knock in many doors to say I need help. And I thought I'm talking to the relevant people. I've spoken to the Commission for Gender Equality in 2018. I thought I'm talking to the relevant people as well. 
uh, I couldn't get help. The only the only door that we knocked a few weeks ago, and we realized that it will yield results if we follow up and they follow up and commit to their to their promises, is the door of the South African Human Rights Commission. Because I thought, oh, and and we thought as a team that it can be helpful to solve one case after another. Here we are dealing with a systematic problem whereby many fathers are affected. Uh, and it is, it is more like uh, there is bitterness and, uh, and punishment uh, for separating with the mother or for, for, the, for the mother who passed away. So we thought, let's, let's get this addressed once and for all. So we, we, we approached the Human Rights Commission and we are saying, we said, you can't stand by while people are suffering these are issues of the, the rights of children and the rights of the fathers these are the issues of the best interest of the child and the equality before the law a uh, married father and unmarried father is, is a different thing but the law says we are equal and whatever happens between the two fathers the child do- doesn't care and the child is the one who suffers because i am treated in a way that i'm treated because i'm in, I, I'm, I am unmarried and this Seem, seems like it is just twisted. It is more like the child is illegitimate by virtue of uh, being a child of an unmarried father. And it, it prejudices and, and disadvantages the child. So the Human Rights Commission, we had a meeting with the CEO, uh, Advocate uh, Tipenyan. He seemed to be aware of this and he acknowledged that this is a problem that needs uh, their attention. So he gave a commitment that they are going to look into this uh, this, this, this matter. Yeah, December is normally known as the big days. Right now, these are heavy days. There are many who find themselves in Castro Musignali's position, not having access to their children at a time of the year where the one thing you want imaginably is family. Many around, speaking for myself, in Gauteng want to get to the Eastern Cape and reunite with loved ones. Many all over the world are doing that. That's what happens at this time of the year. Surely, 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 this is not the kind of conversation a society that calls itself progressive should be engaging. Thank you so much so far for your story there, Castro. There are many people like you who find themselves with similar positions. We're going to take a voice note now. And for those who want to join, please do so very quickly. Johannesburg, 714-2006. Being denied access to your child, a parent's pain. Voice note, please. Good evening to you, Brother Sogezo, and your guest, Just to add to your opening statement, more than 60% of children in the country are born from unwed marriages. Thank you so much from Chapter 2. Much appreciated, and that's a statistic that probably lends itself then to the kinds of challenges we are now talking about. Anonymous SMS coming through. Good evening, Songhezo and the team. I am a father who is denied access to my son. I was made to believe that I am not the biological father, which means that my child is parented by another man. Therefore, I haven't played any role since I was denied access to date. So what legal routes can one opt for to file for shared custody stroke access to the child? Can you relay the question to your guest? Well, you might think you have challenges there, Castro, until possibly you hear that of somebody else. And I'm not in any way downplaying that of yours, but here's a brother here who's got some difficulty. The, 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 that, that, that problem, it, it requires a simple process. 
but the problem is that it gets complicated by the officials who are supposed to handle that process. The process uh, requires the, 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 the listener to go to the children's court and lodge an application uh, whereby he wants to request them to assist with a parental plan. Uh, we, with a parental plan, then, he will be able to be given an opportunity. They will discuss and agree on how the child can be accessed. Uh, that is a matter uh, that is not negotiable. The, 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 the father of the child must have access to the, to the child. It might be limited, but it must be there and it must be adhered to. Unfortunately, though, there are still challenges that uh, the mothers in, in particular, they are able to violate the, the order, which is a parental plan. They can say, they can refuse with the child or run, or run away with the child. And, uh, you know, the father ends up just frustrated again. But there's a piece of paper that says, this weekend I must see the child. So that is the challenge that we are facing, and uh, we see the law not having teeth to to prosecute them. But if a father just gets a, a visitation of the child and doesn't return uh, the child in time, even 10 police vans can be sent to him. I experienced the same during lockdown in May. Seven police vans were sent to me because the grandparents needed my child. So... Uh, the, the, the listener must go to the, to, the, to the children's court and seek to apply to be assisted with a parental plan. Okay, okay. Um, I don't know what else to say. Let's talk about the amendments that are now proposed for the Children's Act because it does speak to some of these things. In fact, let me take a caller. First up, Stembiso in the Val calling to breathe some light in terms of this conversation. Good evening, Stembiso. Thanks for calling. Stembiso. Yes, hello. Can you hear me? Yes. Yes. Uh, um, you know, this conversation is very uh, personal to me. The problem is that, firstly, now, with no uh, disrespect, um, I think women feel as if since they carry a child for nine months in their womb, they feel as if that child is their property. Just like um, the other caller who was speaking, it, sh- it shouldn't matter what happened between me and the mother. The child needs me, I need the child. My child, I've been denied access from, from my child to the point for, for about five years now, to the point where I, as a father, even went to the children's court. I went to children's court, I get to children's court, Okay, they sit us down, they put us in a meeting, I explain what has been happening. In the past, my, my child is five years old. My child has never spent a single night at my place. At first, they said that, um, no, it's because the child is too young, so I cannot take my child with me to my place where I stay with my, where my mother and my parents. But as the child grows, and then I see that, actually, that is not the case. Fine. They said they wanted um, damages. They said they wanted uh, 7,000 in damages. I gave my parents 5,000. I said, let them give them 5,000 and they will give them. When they got there, my parents were turned away. They were told that they want all the, uh, the money in full. 
So in in my terms, Ruti, a child that that that's cultural things and other things should not matter because it impacts the child. The child needs me. There's a role that I must play as a father. Every child needs a mother figure and a father figure. And if you raise a child as a single parent, those are the things that damage children. We're talking right now about uh, gender-based violence and things like that. You find that those, those, are, those are boys who are raised with no father. No father to mentor them, no father to teach them. I feel as if society and the law, it favors women so much and not taking in consideration the child. Because the thing that should matter, the number of person who should mentor is the child, in my terms. So I'm going through the same process. Right now, when we went to court, okay, the court said to the mother, okay, we, 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 we wrote down an agreement that she should bring the child to me on certain days, like on, on holidays and whatnot. But she's still not adhering to the, the court uh, procedures, even though she was even told would, if she does not adhere to that, she'll be followed by a court order and she'll be arrested. But still she's not doing that. Now it's me who, who's, who has, to, has to stand up and go and say, now I, don't, now I have to get the mother of my child arrested because she's not adhering, adhering to what the court we should do sure let, let, so let's the, let, let's move on to Tembi. so i beg your pardon for that we are just somewhat pressed for time Inyam emmanuel from cape town is also on the line to breathe some expression on his experience or his views on this topic father's rights and access to children good evening emmanuel emmanuel yes uh, sorry good evening how are you indeed your thoughts please yeah um, I, I, I just have some few questions and comments to make as regards the topic. My question is, number one, when me and the mother of my child has a child, and now I am the father, she's the mother, and now the family now takes the child for one reason or the other. Is that not kidnapping? Because that is kidnapping. They, have got, they, they, they didn't play any role in the birth of that child. Now, again, if we want to apply your, the, the part of the law which you quoted earlier the, for the best interest of the child, when the family of the uh, mother of my child is making it difficult for me to have access to my child, are they acting in the best interest of the law? I mean, we don't need to be a, a rocket scientist to, to get to the bottom of all this. So whether, if, if it is custom that is creating this all this uh, ambiguity or problem i think such customs those customs should be way off that's just what i want to say sure. thank you very much thank you very very much thanks indeed emmanuel for your thoughts let's play one more voice note uh, good evening put uh, it's a painful story uh, by your guest today i wanted to ask him uh, did he pay uh, the damages since uh, he was not married did he pay the damages uh, for the for the for the for, for the child because i know like some parents will deny you access uh, to see your child if you did not like uh, do all the stuff like things uh, pay the damages you see so i wanted to ask him if if he did um, pay the damages uh, thank you very much from andil in willowville eastern cape bye let me just go through the rules quickly, please. 
do whatever you want when you're not on air. We, we can't, of course, control that. Please try. Please try. Please try. Make a concerted effort. When you do go on air, treat a voice note as you would a phone call. Treat a voice note as any formal platform. Please. I think we know what I'm talking about. I don't have to repeat it. But that's why we always drum less than a minute. Remember the rules. Maybe it is something that I should reinforce more often. But nonetheless, please, let's try and do that. Indeed, Andile has asked a question. There were a couple of questions from Emmanuel. Do you want to respond finally as we close up this conversation, please, Castro? Yes. Uh, the, the issue here is, is uh, the best interest of the child. And the best interests of the child are harmed by this phenomenon called uh, parental alienation. Uh, whatever demands that are made and the violations of the order and whatever prevents the child from access to the other parent, it is not in the best interest of the child. Unfortunately, it looks like the interpretation of best interest of the child in the South African context, in as far as my experience and what I hear other people experiencing, is that the father, the biological pa- father, immediately when he separates with the mother, it becomes less of the best interest of the child. And uh, this is happening when the mother could move on to, with, with her life and find another man. That man is not assessed, the other man that the, the mother will find. They are, that man automatically is a good man. The biological father uh, automatically is not best for the child. So it, it is a sad, sad state of, of, of scenario. And on the issue of damages on my side, I did request when the mother of my child was still alive, if there is a need for damages that must be paid, there was no demand for damages. And uh, uh, even if there was demand for damages, but I had done other things to show that I am responsible for the child, legally I could still be allowed to be uh, to acquire my rights and uh, parental, uh, my parental rights and respons- responsibility for the child, rather than them being now bestowed to the to the, to the grandparents. There is no there is no legal uh, uh, reasoning behind what has been done now. Yeah, we do wish you all of the best. We are running out of time, but very we should be very sure in January there will be a second part of this, a conversation about fathers and access to children.